Hey there, I'm Breezy. Welcome to Breezy Lifestyle. This real and super helpful series is called From Struggle to Success. Every episode, I share with you a real-life struggle with mine and show you how neuroscience and psychology tools absolutely can create a better life without prescription medication. We discover the power within ourselves and how to shape the world around us as we need it for a lifetime. Through the foundation of science and my real life, I show how you can turn any struggle into an absolute success without totally having to change who you are. It is all about making better choices every day to feel better as to live better for a lifetime. I took back control of my life and so can you. Welcome to From Struggle to Success. What if I told you we can overcome anything in life? Nothing is impossible to transcend and be more from. What if I told you a lot of us are living with a constant fear response due to experiencing at least one intensely negative situation in life? This is trauma. And trauma can happen at any time, any place, and to any person at any age. And what if I told you most of us live with an ingrained fear response and everyday choose behaviors that do not actually serve ourselves and our long-term needs? We self-sabotage. AKA, what if I told you we are all at least living with one low-grade addiction to our own bullshit? And I mean that with all my love and compassion, and I mean it about myself too. I just told you all of this because we are living in a modern world where most of us suffer every day in silence, and not enough of us are talking about how to truly feel better and become better. Most of us are not talking about our nervous system, and that's a huge fucking problem. Last week, we really got into the science of what is trauma, how trauma sets into our body, and then how trauma plays out into our life afterwards as a constant fear response. In other words, we dove deep into how nervous system is impacted by trauma and how we are literally rewired from the inside out after even just one intensely negative experience. And this experience can happen in adulthood or in childhood. Today we are getting real and more so going into behavioral and social psychology, which is what we experience every day of our life. Though I'll argue all of the sciences are equally as obvious to us, and important, I think the way we act and the way other people act is usually what is in the forefront of most of our human minds, and this is behavioral and social psychology. How we act and respond and feel after trauma is what we are talking about today, and I'm going to share real and intense stories from my wildly chaotic life and show how trauma and living with a fear response as an adult can actually guide me towards behaviors that create more issues in my life. After all, a lot of individuals who are incarcerated, struggling with substance abuse, or have addiction dependencies typically are wired in a way that does not totally serve them because they are always in a bizarre survival mode because they experience something intensely negative in their life. I think we need to get really honest and real here for a second and consider socioeconomic differences and how black people seem to almost have a culture of struggle in America. 
Black people experience so much trauma. Yes, other cultures do too, but that's not the point I'm trying to make right now, Karen. The point I'm trying to make is one I think we can all imagine. So imagine this. You're driving through a city and you get to the south side and it's very obviously different than most other parts of town. It is dilapidated. You likely don't want to get out of your car because you are aware of high crime and things just generally don't look or feel safe. Imagine living in that environment every single day of your life and even being born into the environment and then developing into that environment and having to find ways through your behaviors as not just ways to survive, but to thrive. These people in these lower socioeconomic situations experience a tremendous amount of trauma, not just once in their life, and not just in one kind of way, but in all sorts of ways. They may watch their parents become addicts and then experience abuse and negligence. All sorts of random scary people, as well as continual uncertain days and nights, may just always be happening in their life. These people may be guided or forced to join a gang because that is how you can make money to support your family, but also show up in your community with some sense of control. These people may get pimped, be pimps, or realize their parent is a pimp or getting pimped. I could keep going. Trauma can create a detrimental cycle, as well as we can experience trauma from our parents and then our entire personality, mood, and being are wrapped up in acting certain ways due to this. This passing on of trauma and then living with a fear response as part of our personality is called intergenerational trauma. We take on trauma in two ways. Intergenerational trauma passing on via behavioral projections or by experiencing at least one intensely negative experience in life. There are a few Breezy Lifestyle YouTube videos already available explaining intergenerational trauma, but what you may not realize is that the entire podcast episode on boundaries has everything to do with trauma and the passing on of trauma as well as how we respond to trauma. Trauma and living with a fear response go hand in hand with life boundaries. Let's take a look at how trauma becomes a fear response in our life. Last week, we dove deep into what is trauma, how it sets into our body, aka nervous system, and how experiencing trauma turns into daily living with what is called a heightened stress or fear response. I'm going to clear a few things up from last week to make sure we are all on the same page about what happens after experiencing trauma and what daily life is like afterwards. And then I'm going to share triggers, share real stories and experiences of absorbing trauma throughout my life and talk a little on the science of triggers and why we act the way we do after a traumatic situation. First and foremost, we can experience trauma at any point in our life. Childhood trauma is just one of the many avenues a human can suddenly be forced to walk down. Trauma is sudden, unexpected, and impactful. Trauma is when some sort of fear happens, which includes stress and anxiety, and that fear somehow gets embedded or activated in our nervous system such that it shows up at times when it's maladaptive later on in our life. We have anxiety about the situation occurring in our life again and become alert or activated in some way. Not by choice though. We might act aggressive, shut down, cry, be avoidant, or freak out when our mind and body nervous system think it is reliving a situation 
PTSD and CPTSD are the result of experiencing intense negative experiences. PTSD and CPTSD are how we label and identify humans living with a fear response after an experience. Trauma is not just about childhood or war. Trauma is about embodying a fear response after that intensely negative situation. This can be just one experience. Children and people of all ages who are exposed to abuse and trauma may develop what is called a heightened stress response, or what I refer to as the fear response. This can impact the ability to regulate emotions, lead to sleep difficulties, lower immune function, manifest as codependency and people-pleasing in adulthood, and increase the risk of a number of physical illnesses throughout adulthood. Trauma can activate autoimmune disorders and have us acting in ways that do not serve us. We can develop substance abuse issues, dependencies, and addictions. Trauma manifests in our body in a way that it rewires our brain and tells our nervous system to respond to perceived threats. Many people living with trauma and the fear response face immune system impairment, headaches, fatigue, poor health, autoimmune disorders, and pain symptoms. A nervous system and brain stuck on high alert creates struggles with anxiety and worry in daily life. Do you think people-pleasing and saying yes to others all the time is detrimental to a person's life? This type of behavior is a direct response to trauma in a relationship, whether it be from a caregiver or a romantic partner. All right, it's time to get into a little bit of science because we need to get clear on what the heck is our nervous system and why it is so deeply and fundamentally important. We have not dedicated a podcast yet to one of the most important and talked about things in all of our lives, our nervous system. Our nervous system is very essentially our mind and body connection. Our nervous system is what controls everything we do, how we feel, respond, and sleep or not sleep. Neuroscience, which is what we talk about every day here, is the study of our nervous system. Understanding neuroscience even just a bit will absolutely upgrade any person's life. In my opinion, neuroscience combines all the best sciences to offer massive insight into everything about humans. Neuroscience combines psychology, development, sociology, health, behavioral psychology, habit formation, and emotions, thoughts, feelings. Neuroscience is our ticket to better living. Okay, so our nervous system is made up of two parts. And one of these parts also has two parts. Follow me on this. This is our only deep dive into science today and it is crucial for better living. And you've heard me say these terms so many times before. So let's all get clear and be on the same page. The two parts of our nervous system are the central nervous system, CNS, and this consists of your brain and spinal cord. The second part of our nervous system is the peripheral nervous system, and this consists of everything, including brain, spinal cord, arms, legs, and your entire body. The peripheral nervous system is what also consists of two parts. This is really important. You might notice that one of these two we talk about weekly, as it is what determines how we respond and feel about pretty much everything after experiencing it. The two parts of our peripheral nervous system are the autonomic nervous system, ANS, and the somatic nervous system, SNS. We're going to start talking about the somatic nervous system 
more now that we're really getting into trauma. But back to autonomic. The autonomic nervous system is our neuroscience homie when it comes to nervous system regulation and it controls our internal body processes such as breathing, digestion, blood everythings, heart rate, and so on. The other part, the somatic nervous system, controls our muscles and sends signals from our eyes, ears, and mouth and skin to our central nervous system, CNS. Our brain and spinal cords serve as the main processing center for our entire nervous system and control all the functions of our body. Our brain defines who we are and is responsible for our thoughts, memories, emotions, behaviors, and responses. Our threat and fear reflex exists to help us from dying and to help us from not making really bad decisions. It just so happens that at least one thing happened to us in the past that is not lethal and did not actually harm us, but still harms us from the inside. Trauma can embed into our body and it creates behaviors, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that do not serve us in our daily life. But we unconsciously do these things anyways because we are reacting in a way to keep ourselves safe. This is the fear response that sneaks in after trauma. You may experience abuse as a child and therefore as an adult, you may truly believe and feel that you are worthless or unlovable. These thoughts, feelings, and beliefs directly create what behaviors you choose in life as an adult. When we feel worthless, we could very much and on accident create a life that is worthless to ourself. We may choose people that are not worthwhile of our time, but we do not know any better because we are choosing based on our lower level feelings. It is important to override our past that was handed to us and choose the better things in life to get what we need moving forward. You can overcome your past experiences and be more than what they made you believe about yourself or life as a whole. Trauma is not a single lane highway into our nervous system. Our nervous system may be better known as our mind and body. You know, what makes us who we are and controls everything we do. I want to point out how autonomic arousal relates to the aspect of our nervous system that we call the autonomic nervous system. Autonomic means automatic, which is somewhat of a misnomer because there are aspects of our autonomic nervous system that can very much be controlled via our choices and leveraging neurochemicals. But essentially, what we experience from our autonomic nervous system surely seems automatic or reflexive. The autonomic nervous system has two branches and one is called the sympathetic autonomic nervous system. Think of the sympathetic nervous system as the alertness nervous system and it's what ramps up your levels of alertness and vigilance. So it is what gets you awake, it's what gets you going, it's what makes you aware, that's your sympathetic. And that can sound confusing because for me, I hear the word sympathy in sympathetic. So I've trained my brain to think that there's no sympathy for the weak. The sympathetic nervous system is all about activation. The other part of our autonomic nervous system is our parasympathetic autonomic nervous system. And this is our calm state of being. This is when we are relaxed, sleepy. So this is the opposite end of activated and alert. 
And one way that you can remember parasympathetic is that it pairs with sympathy. And so it is sympathetic to you and to life and it wants you to be relaxed and calmed. Listen, however you can remember these kind of big words, go for it. This is your growth journey. This is your journey to betterment. However your brain works, choose the things that are aligned with how your brain works. So if my analogy or metaphor does not work, that's fine. Choose your own path. When we are triggered, our sympathetic autonomic nervous system is activated and we may feel like we need to fight, flight, or freeze in some sort of way. Fighting might look like aggression or bitchiness. Flighting can look like being avoidant or shutting down. And freezing can look like indecision or even complacency. Our autonomic response from fear is usually not the most beneficial thing to happen in our modern human life. Moving on, we are going to get into trauma triggers. Trauma triggers are cues that signal to our nervous system to act or respond in a certain way. Remember, cues are a visual, physical, or sensory thing that then triggers or initiates a certain behavior response from you. If you want to learn way more about cues, watch episode 6 on everything that is habits and what makes us who we are. After an intensely negative experience, trauma becomes a memory we use to keep ourselves safe, which wires into our nervous system as a fear response. So many of us live with a fear response because this modern world is deeply detrimental to our slowly evolving cognitive brains. In other words, evolution has not caught up to the fact that we are no longer animals just trying to survive using our emotions from our lower level animal brain. Nowadays, Evolution needs to get with the program and strengthen our cognitive abilities to process all of the bizarre things we experience every day. And that's in our prefrontal cortex. Dear Mother Nature, please evolve our prefrontal cortex more. Thanks. Triggers I experience firsthand include loud and abrupt sounds, large groups of humans, awkward body language and random movements, all sorts of eyebrow furrowing, slurping wet kissing sounds, certain types of sexual touches, behavior that looks like shunning or is intentionally avoidant, and not being on time or prompt for departure. Those are just a few of my triggers. Soon I will break them down and show how these manifest in everyday adult life and relationships. Anything can be a trigger with trauma. Trauma trigger examples are any kind of sound, feeling, anything seen, or a particular movement. Trauma triggers and living with the fear response look like all sorts of behaviors, actions, reactions, emotions, and life choices. Living with a fear response plays out in our dating life, career choices, relationship qualities, health and food choices, how we sleep and if we are sleeping sufficiently at all, how we think and feel about ourselves and the entire world. You may think you are unmotivated or lazy, but really, you likely have embodied a fear response after at least one negative experience. You may think you are worthless or unlovable, and in turn you choose low-level humans and struggle to find your people. You may say yes all the time, even though you don't want to. Finding yourself people-pleasing and even becoming codependent in fear of not being wanted or accepted by others. 
You may crumble around large groups or loud sounds because of a scary experience in battle or by experiencing an angry parent all the time. You may wonder why life is the same sad story every day. Not realizing the choices you are making are in direct response to an experience you had and embodied it as a living state of functioning every day, which we call the fear response. One thing that happens in our life can impact us for a lifetime afterwards without realizing what we are choosing to do every day is actually a response to how we are feeling. We may not realize that every day we are acting in ways that are self-protecting. Here's the thing about trauma. It shapes how we feel and how we feel directly determines what we believe about ourselves and the world. What we believe, we perceive. And our perception determines how we act and what we choose to do every day. Because trauma reshapes our feelings and self-belief, it is crucial to become aware of how trauma manifests in day-to-day life as chosen actions, behaviors, and daily decisions. Yes, we are making these choices even though they seem unconscious. You were not born lazy or crabby or unworthy or broken or unlucky. Rather, you have embodied a fear response and now live in that reality every day with it playing out via your unconscious daily choices. What you are accidentally choosing to do every day is impacting your life as an adult. What happened to you is now in your past, but you are carrying it into your present and future, altering your behaviors. It is up to us to challenge our unconscious internal mechanisms and override this system to take back control of how we feel, what we do, and how our life plays out. So let's look at how the trauma response plays out in adulthood. I thought I was born from darkness. I couldn't understand why I felt so unlovable and unworthy and unwanted and like nothing had any trust in it, including myself. As a child, you just assume you are the way you are because that's how you were made. As an adult, it is immensely important for us to have self-awareness and realize that most of the ways we act are in response to something that happened to us. Most of us in this modern world are actually living with a fear response and we do not know that we are unconsciously making choices within this reality every single day of our lives. For the entirety of my 20s, I was wondering why no matter how hard I tried, I just kept getting the same outcomes and the same types of people in my life. It was because I was living within a fear response because of the traumas that I experienced throughout my life. I have experienced both trauma in childhood as well as adulthood. As an adult, I dove headfirst into human development and family studies and walked away with three varying academic degrees by age 26. Trust me, my life was chaos. This is not a glory story. I realized I was a human on autopilot, constantly acting in ways that were actually response to my past. This realization extended to pretty much all humans. We are all unconsciously operating and making decisions from our lower level animalistic emotional mind, at least sometimes. I wasn't really living in the present moment and any decision I made that I thought were serving me for the future usually actually held me back. I'd make snap decisions based on fear. I wasn't truly processing my needs nor applying life boundaries. 
I'm going to share two stories. One story is a trauma response to a bizarre sexual experience that I actually witnessed as a child. The second story is one I think a lot of us can relate to and involves the inability to say no, always wanting to say yes, and constantly people-pleasing, and showing up for every person but yourself. Next week, I'm sharing a majorly life-changing experience and story of mine involving cyberbullying, over a year of online harassment, defamation, and hate groups. Next week is also when we talk about how to heal and overcome trauma. Taking a look at what it is like to unconsciously live with trauma embodied into us as a fear response. It is safe to say the following I'm going to share will be triggering to some. Though we are waiting until next week to talk about overcoming and healing from trauma, I will say if you find the following story triggering to actually sit and listen all the way through and to sit with your feelings and then journal aka free write to express it outward. This being said, if you feel triggered and are responding in a way that you believe will be detrimental or dangerous to your well-being, then please do not listen to the following story. I'm also going to advise that if you are not already talking to a professional within a therapeutic setting, to definitely go towards making that choice for the betterment of your life. I was probably seven or eight years old when this story took place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My mom and the second guy she chose to marry, a younger guy, decided to buy an RV and take us all down to Milwaukee from our small farming village town in Northeast Wisconsin. I loved road trips and my grandfather took us on so many adventures. If you ask me, the only man that ever mattered in my life and the only man that I will ever call a father to me is my grandfather. Yes, we get to choose who matters to us and a part of trauma recovery therapy is realizing some people in your life, including family members, should just be labeled assholes and not really a part of your life. My trauma therapist seriously had me do this. That's what reclaiming your life and healing really looks like in this modern world. Unfortunately, we don't always get to have our cake and eat it too. Sometimes we have to say goodbye to the people that were initially labeled our parents and rewrite our story as to best serve who we are in our own day-to-day adult life. Okay, so we're doing the four-hour drive down to Milwaukee and we eventually get there and it's a great time. We have such a great time that it is eventually time for bedtime. Per usual fashion, especially in Wisconsin where there is a lot of alcohol drinking, the children go to bed much earlier than the adults. I always had a lot of trouble sleeping and I am an incredibly sensitive sleeper and what happened to me this night only made my sleep difficulties even worse. Before getting into the meat and fat of this story, I am going to clarify and verify right now that my body was not touched in any sort of inappropriate way. Rather, I saw and heard too much for an innocent child to bear. Sometime throughout the night, my mom and her second chosen make their way to the bed in the RV. And this RV, there was not that separate like back room where there's like a bedroom. This was an older RV, so the big bed was just in the back. And I think there was a bunk above it. I was on the floor. What I heard disturbed me the most. So it wasn't even about sight, it was about sound. And to this day, I am so sensitive to sound. And I don't think this is what created my sound sensitivity. I think it 
exacerbated it or made it worse because throughout my life, even as a baby, I was a highly sensitive person, an HSP. And this could either be because of trauma ever since I was an infant or I was just born, like I was wired more sensitive and then all of this stuff just makes me even more sensitive. What I heard was my mother and her second chosen engaging in sexual acts and unconcerned about what they were projecting onto the three young girls' realities that were also in the RV with them. This experience carried with me throughout my entire life, and I still deal with it to this day. I do. And it took me decades to realize how this one experience was affecting even the most simple situations that would happen in my life. For example, I was laying on the floor after a really awesome high school gathering at a friend's house. They lived on a lake and it was summertime and so that meant windows are always open season. At first I thought that the slurping sounds I was hearing was my best friend and her boyfriend getting it on in the bed that was in the room that a lot of us were passed out in. This immediately triggered me in all sorts of ways because I really just don't want to be around someone having sex in the same room. Regardless of any trauma, I think it's just inappropriate for humans and it's a boundary of mine. But the fact that I do have a trauma and an ingrained fear response because of that RV situation really changed this whole reality for me while I was in this bedroom. Not only did my mind think that the sound was coming from a sexual act, but I started feeling immensely uncomfortable and disturbed and frustrated and upset and sad. Like I was just um, a wreck. I was spiraling. And I really just didn't even want to be in that room, let alone inside my own body anymore. My nervous system was entirely dysregulated and I was really struggling to emotionally regulate. I eventually mustered up the courage to look on the bed because these sounds were going on for an incredible amount of time. It seemed impossible for humans to be slurp making out for what seemed to be going on like two hours. Only one person was on the bed and they were absolutely passed out asleep. What I was hearing were the undulating waters from the lake's edge that was just a few hundred feet away from the window. The similar sound was all it took to trigger my fear response from my past traumatic experience in that RV. This response to that type of sound and or situation has happened at least a half a dozen of times in my adult life. And sometimes I will even witness people that I love and care about engaging in simple kissing affection and it will trigger my shutdown response that I experienced when I was lying on the floor in the RV. From this situation, my body learned that my autonomic nervous system response is to shut down, aka freeze, as well as feel absolutely atrocious in the process of shutting down. It is the worst type of freeze I ever experience. And I'm usually the type of person that responds from the fight response in my nervous system rather than freeze or flight. So this is even more difficult for me to deal with because freezing also freaks me out. I don't like not feeling in control of my actions. Fight makes me feel in control, but maybe you have already realized that if we are fight or flight from our autonomic nervous system, we are not really controlling that reaction. We are responding to a cue and we are automatically reacting. The second story is not concrete, but rather it happens all the effing time and it got to a point where I really thought something was wrong with me, some terrible karma or bad juju was stuck on me or I was just so broken I could not override doing this to myself 
all the damn time. I could not figure out why I would automatically say yes to pretty much everything, volunteer for everything, and show up for everything and every person. I also noticed that I was not receiving this back in my life pretty much at all. I was frustrated and perplexed why I had this issue of chronically people-pleasing whilst apparently choosing humans in my life that were one-sided or takers or inconsiderate or just seemingly did not care about things beyond their self. Automatically saying yes and showing up all the time is a fear response thanks to good old trauma. A lot of people-pleasers are born from parent, friendship, or romantic relationships that involve dealing with an abrasive, verbally abusive, or downright difficult adult. This person may have also been negligent unless you overextended yourself to them. Then they had no problem being in your company and receiving what you are giving. You were a burden to them unless you acted in certain ways to better their life, not yours. After my mother's second divorce, she spiraled beyond her already sensitive mental health state, which I'll talk about in other podcast episodes, and this resulted in her treating her daughters, me, like we were a nuisance to exist. She was never around because her past traumas and current trauma from divorce resulted in her nervous system becoming dysregulated, which further resulted in her choosing low-level behaviors like partying and having sex with random guys. She just wanted to feel better in the short term, which resulted in many negative impacts for her long term, including her family. Because I am a highly sensitive person and accidentally practice what is called toxic compassion or toxic empathy, I struggle to recognize when I am giving up myself and my needs for the sake of pleasing somebody else. My traumas can confuse me to think I need to show up for everybody so everybody will like me because being neglected as a child is so painfully terrible. So as an adult, I shall not be neglected by any person, right? Alas, this maladaptive behavior doesn't work for us in adulthood. Not everybody can or will like us. This is normal, this is human. People pleasing and always saying yes is our way of trying to feel better about things that happened to us in the past. Though we are no longer living in the past, our present day body has absorbed the fear response and it acts out every day in hopes to keep our evolved animal self safe. Moving on, we are going to look at a few things we can do after we realize we have experienced something traumatic. Next week, we are dedicating an entire episode to healing and overcoming trauma and the ingrained fear response. This week, we are touching on what to do after we realize we experience trauma, whether it is immediately after or years after the situation. First and foremost, we do not bury trauma. It isn't healthy or beneficial to your well-being to hide or bury anything. What's more is that when we go towards what we are fearful of or what stresses us out, we can actually change what that connection means to us over time and rewire our brain to not be fearful, avoidant, or reactionary to something that reminds us of a trauma. In brief, the better order of operations for dealing with trauma is to find support through someone you trust and can lean on because you need to communicate what has happened. You will need to discern if it is something a friend can show up and be there for you though or if it is a situation that is better discussed with a professional. After all, 
Our friends are not our therapists, and if anything, we might trigger or overstep boundaries of the people that matter to us the most by spilling our guts without consent. Yeah, I said it. All of us need to consider asking consent before emotionally unloading onto another human. I know, it's a bizarre concept that I think a lot of women love to push onto men, but would not dare self-reflect on and abide by with each other. Women have become confused with the idea that feelings are facts and that honoring feelings by word vomiting is a form of self-care and vulnerability. Alas, it is a form of toxic self-care and communication. And I digress. Check out the Instagram and website it's.toxic.feminine for posts on modern day behavior and choices by females. Once we realize we have experienced an intensely negative traumatic experience, we have to actively choose to not shove it down or push it away. This experience is now a part of our truth, and if we try to ignore it, it will just manifest to its greatest form inside of ourselves and eventually reshape the world outside of us. When we shove things down and do not address experiences, then we are wiring them into our nervous system with the original emotions, feelings, and senses that we first absorbed from it. We must take care of this experience and unpack it safely. We must go towards what is trying to forever change us in ways we likely do not want. We must face our fears to heal trauma. It feels darn near impossible to face fears because it is wired into our biology and nervous system. Humans are made to naturally not go towards what is scary, dangerous, or negative. This is our lower level animal mind engaging in fight, flight, or freeze mode. Facing fears means we are thinking, feeling, and addressing the experience in our high level cognitive mind that is our prefrontal cortex. Humans are remiss when we do not take our experiences or feelings and truly think them through afterwards. Sometimes, how something initially feels really isn't the truth of that matter at all. And that's one great reason why we have to introspect, deep dive, face fears, and use our self-awareness to get the whole picture. Furthermore, once we have the whole picture, then we can choose how to better move forward taking care of how we feel and think about an experience that we had. You might be thinking that having or holding the whole picture of trauma is the worst thing a person can do after trauma. No. The worst thing a person can do after trauma is pretend like it did not happen and try to move on with life. Sorry, but you experienced trauma and now you have to address it as part of your life. Trauma is sudden. Trauma is unkind and unforgiving with its timeliness, nor does it care who you are or what part of life you are in. Taking a look at trauma therapy, a lofty discussion for next week, we see that the trauma story typically unfolds in one, if not many therapy sessions, and the details are indeed important. When I was learning how to reparent myself and heal my wounded inner child, I had to share very specific details as to receive the proper treatment or even the better response from my therapist. Hiding truth will not set you free. Your truth, no matter how dark or messy, will set you free once you face your fears and accept every experience you had as part of your authentic truth.
What's amazing is that trauma can shape us into incredibly powerful humans that become business owners, influencers, absolutely amazing parents, life-changing researchers, and so on. I'm so excited to soon begin sharing how we can unlock all sorts of superpowers and life upgrades after trauma. It's all about the amazing life blueprint consisting of unshakable self-belief, adaptive growth mindset, clear life vision, short and long-term goals, and grit, which is one of the most phenomenal things we can have after trauma. What if I told you it is not entirely your fault that your life is not playing out how you expected it to? Trauma can create a fear response we unconsciously embody and live by every day. We act and feel in ways that are wired in as a reaction rather than chosen action. Thankfully, we can leverage our neural chemicals and make better choices to override this unhelpful internal mechanism response. Trauma might have had the first say, but you have all the says on after. It is always up to us. We always have control. Even if it seems like we have lost it, it has never truly slipped away from our grasp, just quite possibly far from our perception. If you want to learn even more, check out the blog, where you can also find recommended products and supporting links in each blog post. You can also enjoy two free lifestyle success courses as well as other options to upgrade your life on the website. And one of those courses just got an awesome upgrade. All the best today, Beeb. You got this. This is Breezy signing off from another episode of From Struggle to Success.